Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. Available free to members of the Bar Association as well as the public, featuring lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the laws that matter to all of us. I'm your host, Jordan Rich, and today's topic concerns the latest changes and updates to the child support guidelines here in the state of Massachusetts. Joining me to comment on these changes is attorney Fern Frolin, a member of Merrick O'Connell's Family Law Group. Fern focuses her practice on all aspects of matrimonial law. She was the only lawyer to serve on both the 2009 Child Support Guidelines Task Force and the Mass Legislature's 2012 Alimony Reform Task Force, which wrote the Massachusetts Alimony Reform Act. She also served on the Probate and Family Court Model Parenting Plan Committee, which drafted model parenting plans that now appear on the Probate and Family Court websites. Fern has held leadership positions here at the Mass Bar Association, the Boston Bar, the Mass Council on Family Mediation, and the Massachusetts Association of Guardians Ad Litem. And she's a Louis Brandeis Life Fellow of the Massachusetts Bar Foundation. It is a real pleasure to welcome you, Attorney Froland. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So... These changes occur regularly every four years or so, 2013 and 2009 and now in 2017. And how drastic or wide-ranging are the changes in 2017 compared to the last couple of change cycles, would you say? The change cycle in 2009 was dramatic. We changed the entire formula and the theory of who was responsible for supporting children and how it should be calculated. Uh, In 2009, we went from a system where support was calculated as a percentage of the payor's income almost without regard to anything that the recipient earned uh, prior to 2009. And then in 2009, it was changed to a formula which is actually used by the majority of states in the United States where both parties' income is plugged into a formula and then the support is allocated according to the percentage of available income for both parties. So what would you so that was big. And yeah. since then what we've done have been tweaks. And yes, yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of work on these tweaks with this task force that is set up by the Chief Justice of the Trial Court. But what would you say in twenty seventeen would be of the tweaks the most uh, interesting to attorneys listening, first of all? What would be the most most obvious change? Well, I think for attorneys and for the public, the most obvious change, the most interesting, and the one that's going to have the most impact, actually there are two that are are pretty much equal, but uh, if I had to pick one of the two would be the adjustment for a parent's expenditures for child care and medical insurance, because those expenses are such a big bite out of the the 2017 budget, and so we felt we had to allocate them in a different way, and that's really the newest part of these guidelines. Raising the minimum amount of child support to $25 per week, I'm just quoting from the bullet list of things that are happening. That seems to make sense to a layman that the cost of living goes up, the cost should go up. Is that the general consensus? That's correct, and I believe that it hadn't been changed for, uh, I know we didn't change it in 2009, or which is the last time I participated in this project. And I know the 2013 group didn't, so the, it hadn't been changed in at least eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was, it was time, probably more than time. Obviously, there's a tension between what uh, people can pay and what 
people need. And when you talk about the minimum order, you're talking about people for whom every penny really matters. So even though this looks like a small increase, um, it's really you know, dramatic for the people who are at that um, end of the calculation. I was reading, too, about children between the ages of 18 and 23 and, uh, and certain guidelines that have been, again, we'll use the word tweaked since 2013, to accommodate children of a certain age regarding the court's discretion and so forth. Uh, can you comment on any changes to children or young adults, shall we say, in that age category? Sure. Uh, the guidelines have, since they were enacted going all the way back to the late 1970s, early 1980s, um, have encouraged the court to exercise discretion for kids over 18 because frequently those children are working or they're living many months of the year away from the recipient's home or uh, the payor and the recipient have very high education expenses, all of which make them different than the children who are still in school and living with the recipient. So for the first time in Massachusetts, we decided to actually, we've encouraged discretion in the past, but this time we decided to actually put in a formula for how to treat those children. It's a 25% reduction in what would have been the child support amount. And that's really to encourage people to say, yes, these kids, are, it's different when a child's over 18 and out of high school. The task force reorganized and uh, clarified sections in this series of support guidelines, of course. And I understand, for attorneys listening, that they've changed the format uh, and allowed more explanation or footnotes. Is that something that you see as a very helpful sign to attorneys? Yes, and that was actually the chief of the trial court's decision right off the bat. Judge Ordonia said she found, when she had been sitting on the bench on a daily basis, that frequently attorneys and certainly parties who might be before her and not represented by counsel were not aware of the explanations that were in a separate report. Every time the guidelines have been revised, there's been a report of the guidelines task force or the, task or the committee in years when there wasn't a full task force. But that gets read the first six months or so, and then it gets put on a shelf and not pulled out. So by publishing everything together where you have guidelines text followed by the commentary, every time someone goes to the guidelines text, the commentary will be immediately available to them. Let me ask this for consumers listening. The guidelines go into effect as we speak on the 15th of September, which for many people listening will be after we've recorded our conversation here. Obviously, lawyers would know this, but would you advise people who are concerned to, to get in touch with their attorneys if they're dealing with this issue? Because, hey, this is the, this is the critical change time. Yes. Uh, and in particular, there's, a, there's Massachusetts case law that directs that whenever anyone has an order that is inconsistent with the guidelines, they're entitled to a guidelines review, even if their order is not very old. So people might want to contact their attorneys. You can also go directly to the trial court website. And right on the trial court website, there's a user-friendly interactive worksheet. You can plug in your numbers and see what your new number would look like. www.mass.gov slash courts slash docs slash forms slash probate and family court. And then there's a list and 
you just click on worksheet. These guidelines have been talked about and are being talked about in various publications. Law firms and the Mass Bar and others are publishing consensus of these, so this information will be readily available. I want to talk with you, Attorney Frolin, about something that I noticed as well, which is parenting time. We've talked about the finance and the responsibilities of people in that realm, but what about the time category, the elimination of the, quote, in-between category? Uh, yes, <laughs> that, that was an interesting one, and it's one we've been talking about for the eight to ten years that I've been involved in working on various child support committees for the court. Uh, in 2009, we went to a 50-50 time-sharing hybrid order for people who where both parents share the child's time approximately equally without counting the minutes and are equally or approximately equally responsible financially for children's expenses. And then in 2013, a subsequent committee, which frankly did not include any private practice attorneys, made a hybrid that's halfway between the guidelines and the 50-50 sharing. It's meant to apply, I think, to people who have like a 60-40 time split for the child's time with each parent. The result of that was that practitioners, the public, and the judges found that sometimes how the child support number was calculated was driving the parenting schedule instead of vice versa. And everybody I know who's involved with children in the courts and children who have to share their time between their parents thinks that the time sharing for children should be based on the child's best interest, which might be 50-50 or 60-40 or something else, Mm. and not how the finances work out. And because there was so much hair splitting and arguing about Mm. hours here and there, we decided to eliminate it and get rid of those arguments within the court setting. So for parents listening who are concerned about how this affects them starting now, can you give us a sort of an example of how it would work with parent A and parent B? Sure. Um, if parent A is has the child uh, 50% of the time, we're going to run the child support guidelines as if parent A was the recipient and parent B was paying. And then we're going to run it the other way, as if parent A, B was the recipient and parent A was paying. And whatever the difference is between the outcomes is the amount that gets paid in child support. So parent A would owe $100 a week to parent B, and parent B would only owe $70 a week to parent A. We deduct the 70 from the 100 and the parent would owe the higher amount is going to pay just $30. When we started hair splitting in 2013, so we did a hybrid order that cut the, that was halfway between the 100 order and the 70 order, it was, it was complex and it resulted in fighting over parenting time. I hope that makes sense. It does. It's pretty technical. Well, it is technical, and we have to keep in mind that we're talking about human beings, and in, in many cases, these human beings are minors, and they're the most precious people in our lives. And so these rulings and adjustments and so forth are, I would imagine, designed in the best interest of all parties, but certainly in the best interest of the kids. That's right. And when there's not enough money to go around, fighting about parenting time is not what the parents ought to be thinking about, or even if there is, you know, even in the most affluent of circumstances. Um, 
we know that those of us who, who practice divorce law and uh, work with child custody and things, we know that the hardest thing for a child is, and the research is clear on it, is when the parents are fighting. And so if we could eliminate one thing to fight about, which is whether there's going to be one more lunch with this with parent A or parent B or one more overnight by taking the financial incentives out of it, our task force thought that we should do that. Congratulations for going through the process. Uh, when you say task force, it sounds kind of elegant, but I imagine there were a lot of long hours and uh, fretting over detail, which is what these things are all about. So thank you and all of your fo- fellow members for doing what you did, because there's a lot of work involved. And before you know it, it'll be four years from now. I know, and thank you so much for educating the public. I know there's a lot of interest in this. My thanks to attorney Fern Froland discussing updates in the child support guidelines here in 2017. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat podcast available for free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, you can contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service by calling 866-627-7577. That's 866-627-7577. Or visit www.masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. I'm Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.